Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on Shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel, staring at the beautiful teeth of Marcus Parks. Look oh, at those things. Aren't they looking better? You know what? They're pearly brownish. <laughs> no, they're, they are very, they're looking amazing. <laughs> they're brownish. No, no, no. It's all the coffee. Yeah, it's because yeah. you work so hard. It's because you work so hard. Um, all right, everyone. we got a bunch of stuff to get to. Joe Arpaio. He gave some interviews. Believe it or not, the interviews that he gave, they were to an anti-Semitic newspaper. Oh, my God. Stunning news. <laughs> Heard around the world, Sheriff Joe Arpaio uh, is an attraction. Uh, bigots are attracted to him, and indeed, like a bug light, he is attracted to them as well. He says he didn't know that the American free press was anti-Semitic, which is kind of a fun story. Also, a Schumer-McConnell budget deal has gone through, and they're lifting all spending caps. So, right. hello, how is it going to come? The, bu- the bubble will be bursting. We are guaranteed to have a recession in the future. Yep. Uh, with the corporations paying 21% tax, some tax cuts going across the board for a limited time only for the middle class. <laughs> uh, and now, of course, unlimited military spending and unlimited um, domestic spending. So the Democrats and the Republicans are both happy and we're all doomed. Yes. We want to talk about the Nunes memo as well. Of course, this is hashtag uh, release the memo they did. Some people are calling it a nothing burger. The Democrats are calling it a nothing burger. The Republicans uh, consider it to be a very juicy, beautiful hamburger full of uh, mushrooms and cheese and onions. <laughs> uh, in reality, I call it a soy burger. <laughs> There's a little protein in there. There's a little something to chew on. Mm-hmm. But in no way is it the feast of all feasts for Republicans. But also, it's not just two uh, buns alone on a plate. There is something to this Nunes memo. It's a soy burger, but a badly made soy burger at that. It's a cold boca. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even saying it's a cooked soy burger. It's a bad boca. But it does show an interesting uh, situation occurring when it comes to the Steele dossier and uh, this idea that the Trump campaign was spied on uh, by the Obama administration. The FBI was also looking into these uh, allegations. They ran concurrently with with the DNC uh, via Fusion GPS financing uh, this dossier. Let's not forget that the dossier was originally financed by the Republicans themselves during the primary. Not necessarily the Republican Party. But I think by Republicans running against Donald Trump. I, that's I, a good point. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 but I think that, and that's one of the things that's kind of gotten lost here, is that people are saying that this um, memo was originally Funded by the Republicans, which it that implies that it was funded by the RNC. Sure, it wasn't. It, it was, was uh, it was originally funded by a uh, a very conservative newspaper, not newspaper, conservative website mm-hmm. uh, that was being funded by a top re- Republican donor, and this was being done uh, in the lead up to Donald Trump's uh, nomination. Right, and then in May of 2016, when it became very obvious that uh, Donald Trump was going to be the nominee, yep. these people said shut it down they had to we do not need to know 
any of this stuff. But yeah. by then, uh, I think that the DNC had already gotten in on it in May of 2016. Mm-hmm. So I think the DNC and uh, this conservative website were both funding this Fusion GPS Politics thing. Politics have strange at, bedfellows. At the same time. And then right. after the conservative site pulled out, the DNC kept funding it. Continued ongoing. The FBI was also looking into this Christopher Steele dossier. Christopher Steele, a reputable uh, British intelligence agent. Uh, he uh, did have the, it, it's kind of an interesting little side note that I thought was funny uh, was that they used Yahoo News as a source <laughs> to to uh, to prove that they indeed uh, had some evidence here against Donald Trump and his campaign when it comes to a potential Russian collusion into the 2016 election. So when Donald Trump says definitive proof, I'm innocent, They're, the deep state is coming to get me. Okay, but what were you doing? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, the memo doesn't dispute anything no, they it, found like it does not it doesn't dispute a single bit yes. of information and i do understand we have to be extremely careful i don't love the idea i don't like the idea as a matter of fact i loathe the idea of our intelligence communities attempting to undermine uh this republic's democratic process Dang. which i agree with the right i said that is true and if someone would have done that to the left if someone would have done that to hillary um uh, i would disagree with it i would disagree with it entirely we don't and we haven't yet heard uh, or seen the Democratic memo. We haven't mm-hmm. seen the Democratic Party's memo. It has yet to be released, if it ever will be released. But the whole notion uh, that they couldn't release the Republican memo, I think both sides made a massive mistake. It's not quite uh, um, Geraldo opening Al Capone's safe, mm-hmm. but it's Geraldo opening Al Capone's safe and you just see like a Lucy cigarette. You know, it's just <laughs> it's like... It's not the fucking Pentagon Papers. It's and I, and not I, the and, Pentagon Papers. And that's, and, no. I, and that's what the right is trying to make this into being right now. They're right. trying to make it into being such a gigantic scandal uh, when it's not. Is it shady? Yes. Is it illegal? Right. Absolutely not. They, they did not talk about a single illegal thing in... And they didn't name a single illegal thing in this entire uh, dossier in the, or right. in this entire memo. Nothing illegal was done here. Controversial, yes, yes, of course. But you I, are I don't correct. even I uh, don't even agree with it. Like I right. <laughs> like I, I think they did some shady shit, and you know. Mm. But this is not the uh, silver bullet to uh, the Russia investigation. Like Absolutely. in fact, it only seems to bolster the claims that there's something there because it's the whole memo is like, yeah, they're looking at our guys. They just didn't do it right. Right. You it's know? more it, about it's more about um, the process as opposed to what the process is revealing or potentially could reveal. Mm-hmm. So, and I do understand once again, I want our intelligence agencies, as we've talked about on this show, I think we've been fair uh, when it comes to our uh, our agencies, I don't have 100 uh, percent um, trust in our uh, in our institutions when it comes to the FBI or the CIA to do the right things on the on behalf of the American people. I also don't have 100 percent trust in the Republican or Democratic parties, mm-hmm. and I certainly don't have 100 percent trust in the Trump campaign nor the Trump administration. No, so that's where we are when it comes uh, to that situation. Both sides sort of feeling as if they are proven to be correct. Uh, Both sides are slightly correct, and both sides are also completely wrong when it comes to their presentation of this issue. Yeah, and and there's there's more things in uh, the dossier that kind of get thrown out if you just kind of look at it. Uh, if, if you look at it closely, like, for example, like, you know, the Steele dossier, by the time, uh, like, for example, like Carter Page, mm-hmm. the uh, whole warrant 
to spy right. was renewed three times after it was our like the Steele dossier Carter was already Page. public by the time they renewed it again. Yes, and he was, con- I believe, either he was registered or potentially could have been registered as a foreign agent mm-hmm. uh, working with with the uh, with the Kremlin. So it's all it's all uh, suspicious. Uh, both sides are pretending as if they've won, but in reality, once again, the two party system, as corrupt as it is, has proven the American people uh, correct in our skepticism. Of those institutions and of our political parties. So good news for the Democrats, a little bit underreported. A Democrat was actually able to snag a Missouri House seat. Uh, he, uh, the Republicans had won this election uh, regularly. Uh, it's a more uh, conservative district. They made a small dent in the GOP supermajority in the Missouri House on Tuesday, swiping a Jefferson County-based district that had been held by a Republican. This fellow, he's the Democrat, his name is Mike Revis. He won by 52% against this Republican, David Linton, who had 48%. Uh, the unofficial results, Republicans held on to three other seats in four special elections on Tuesday. But if you are looking for that blue wave to come and you want to be uh, like um, like the now uh, deceased individual who was in that movie Point Break, Patrick Swayze. Swayze. And you want to ride that wave as they did <laughs> in the movie Point Break. Uh, don't wear the Nixon mask. No. Um, you will be finding this uh, information to be good. Yeah. Because this is evidence that the Democratic Party is beginning to do what they should have been freaking doing for so long. Small grassroots, you gotta win these house seats. You gotta start you gotta start small and hopefully uh, this wave when it, by the time uh, we reach the land of the 2018 midterms will be strong enough and hopefully it has capped enough to get a little bit more um, equality when it comes to political parties in Washington. So that is a big deal if you are looking uh, for uh, evidence that the blue wave still might be possible and is still out there. Uh, there you go. We got this guy winning in Jefferson City in Missouri, Mike Revis, beating this guy, David Linton, by 4%, which is relatively handily uh, when it comes to those sorts of elections, specifically in districts that tend to go Republican. It's a, it's a very significant uh, win for the Democratic Party. Um, also, as we mentioned earlier, Joe Arpaio, this jerk off is still trying to run for Senate. Yeah. Isn't it unbelievable? <laughs> and this is I want to I want to talk about this because, I, you know, we were talking about the budget. We can get into a little bit of this McConnell uh, Schumer budget that was passed, which is just going. To, it's absolutely horrible. Rand Paul is out there pontificating on the floor as he will do. It doesn't change anything. Ted Cruz, uh, he voted for this dang thing. He says reluctantly voted. It's a yes or a no. Yeah. There's no reluctant yes. No. You know, it is what it is. There's there's two choices you got. You can't vote maybe. Um, Rand Paul talking on the Senate floor, it just does it. Sounds great. Yeah. Sounds great. Uh, so many We're, of these uh, Republicans nowadays. So many of these Republicans. And if we judge uh, uh, Rand on his uh, past when it comes to endorsing candidates, specifically Senate candidates, the thing is, I think that this guy, I think Rand Paul, would support Joe Arpaio if he ends up getting the nomination. Think so? I absolutely do because he supported Roy Moore. Yeah. And so every time I hear Rand Paul talk, it just drives me a little bit insane because all I see is the words and then the actions are entirely different. There's nothing fiscally conservative about this Republican Congress. The Senate is completely bought and sold. The House is completely bought and sold on both sides. But for those Tea Party um, advocates, for those Tea Party uh, true believers, 
you got to be looking in the mirror and wondering who the hell did you vote for? Yeah. Because these clowns are, uh, are are putting on some makeup and they're putting on their big shoes, putting on their little stupid little wigs. And by the way, Rand Paul's hair, very libertarian. <laughs> I, I'm like kind of like let it go, man. Get it let together. It do it, let it do its own thing. Let's have a little, just, you know, a little rule, <laughs> just a little rule of law, please. Uh, if you're a Tea Party uh, enthusiast, I don't know where you're looking right now because every single person that you was uh, sent to Washington to uh, decrease the deficit, which is absolutely going to balloon under this budget, hasn't done it. And this military spending, $600 billion bucks already, um, they're adding billions and billions and billions more. It is needless, useless, and it's all in the name of Donald Trump's wiener. And it is unbelievable <laughs> to me that we have Republicans going along with this and Democrats going along with this. This notion that we need more government spending on military is asinine and completely political. They get- just don't want to say no because there's a 30-second ad coming against you if you vote against military spending. I mean, these uh, the, the midterms, um, I think it's very possible Like in the future when we look back at the 2018 midterms, we might see them as the most harmful midterms in some of the most harmful midterms in American history. Like all of the terrible decisions that are being made right now uh, on behalf of re-election. You know, just so they can get reelected, just so the other person doesn't have some, uh, like you said, a 30 second attack ad. That's it. Um, They're too scared to do it. They're too scared to do it. Like the the tax cut, like that's about the midterm election. That's going to fuck us over. This whole military thing, raising the cap on all of this spending. That's for the midterm election, and it's going to fuck us over. Like it's all of these things that they're doing are only serving to hurt this country in the long run. In the long run, I mean, and it's all for a midterm election. It is because they have no courage, no cojones whatsoever. And I'm sorry. Go to Washington D.C. Be a politician, but have some morals. And if you get kicked out of office, oh. Your life is easier. Your <laughs> life is just better. And you can go to sleep knowing that you did what you could do while you while you were there. Yeah. But there's something about the allure of power, man. Once you get it, as we know from the Lord of the Rings, uh, once you got that precious, you just want to, and you get it on your finger, it's almost impossible to take it off. Well, I think a lot of, uh, I think what a lot of these people do is they get in the office and they make a, uh, it's like a, I don't know, a procrastination for goodness. Yes. Uh, where they, they keep saying, well, they it's like, example, uh, we talk about it all the time on the last podcast when it comes to allowances. Allowances, yes. They say like, well, I'll do this dirty thing, but that's only so I can do this other thing later on. And then once it comes to the other thing later on, they're like, well, okay, I guess maybe I can't get this done, but I've got to stay in office so I can get this other policy put forth next year, you know? Right. And then it just kind of goes on and on, and they keep making those little things over and, over, and they they say in their minds, like, no, 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 I'm a good, I, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm going to get it done eventually. Right. Eventually, I'm going to get around to representing the American people, but I've got to do this first. Right. I've got to make this allowance first in order to get other shit done. And, and we'll talk about what Marcus uh, was just um, reminding me of, DACA, which is not involved here. The Democrats have completely lost on this issue, and the people who have lost are the individuals, the 600,000-plus that are registered for DACA, uh, General John Kelly, who is supposed to be in the adult in the room, had some very controversial and ignorant um, statements to make about roughly 1.8 million individuals who could have been part of DACA. Um, they Not everyone that could have been part of the program registered uh, for the program, and he called them lazy. He said, uh, well, he said some just uh, either forgot or some are lazy. 
Either way, you can see it all starts at the top. And Donald Trump, his personality is rubbing off on people. Yeah. And General John Kelly, I don't think he calls um, uh, a million plus immigrants lazy uh, if Donald Trump is not the president of the United States. And if he did under a different administration, it would have actually been extremely controversial. Under this one, yeah, it's bad, but he gets to stay because he's still the chief uh, of staff and theoretically still the adult in the room, even though uh, Donald Trump is obviously rubbing off on this guy. And you know, a lot of the reason that people, and I was talking about this on Russian television, mm. RT, with Ed Schultz. Oh. Uh, a lot of the reasons why individuals did not go and register for DACA, first of all, they might be working mm -hmm. uh, and busy as hell. Second of all, they might have been concerned about an administration like Donald Trump's coming to power. Yeah. And that's the problem when it comes to these programs, when they get passed via um, executive order. Granted, I don't think Obama had a lot of options. They were stonewalling him on everything 2013. But that's why we need to get this passed through Congress and the way that the Democrats played politics on DACA, the way that they just failed miserably, miserably and the way that, remember Mitch McConnell? Mm -hmm. He said that they were going to have DACA in the bill. He promised it. He's like, two weeks, we'll do it. Uh, and he didn't. No, he didn't. Not. Um, and, of course, the government was shut down last night for eight hours, so it got a good night's sleep, <laughs> uh, which is really nice. And I think a lot of these uh, people in the—you mentioned John Kelly. Like, I think a lot of these people in the Trump administration, uh, they do that same thing, where it's like, I have to do this awful thing so I can stay in the administration and keep Donald Trump from doing something terrible, from, doing, from him doing something catastrophic. So they toe the line a little bit, where he's like, okay, you can stay in. You just have to say DACA people are lazy, that people who didn't sign up for DACA— Oh, are gosh. lazy you know it's these they're doing these little these little allowances so they can say like no i gotta stay on the inside so what do you do right like that's that's the problem so what do you do do you completely remove yourself everyone remove them removes themselves from it until the white house is nothing but yes men to donald trump that'll do everything that he says no matter how fucking crazy do you do that yes men and evidently uh individuals who have a history of extreme domestic abuse yes in rob portman um, who is finally now out of there uh, after this was known. Mm -hmm. And it took far too long uh, for these things to come to light. It required a picture and uh, uh, unbelievable. And certainly when you're Donald Trump, this it's never good to have a narrative proven to be correct, yeah. which is that you run a sexist White House. Is that true? Is that not true? According to Omarosa on Big Brother, <laughs> which is where we are now, she is on a reality, from the White House to a reality show, from a reality show to the White House, mm -hmm. uh, this streamline of stupidity, um, talking uh, about uh, the White House and how horrible it is and how dangerous it is and how they sidelined her uh, for evidently trying to uh, defend, or trying to speak against some of what Donald Trump uh, was saying. I the grain of salt that I take her words, it, it's not even enough salt to make that Boca analogy, uh, that Boca burger uh, taste good in that analogy I used. Just going back to Sheriff Joe Arpaio, just briefly, he says, it was brought to my attention. I gave interviews to a publication that supports anti-Semitism. I was unaware, and I don't support uh, that viewpoint. Uh, of course, um, he does. Yeah, and, so there you go. And he's not the only uh, Republican who gave an interview to this side. They also, uh, it was at Representative Lou Barletta gave an interview back in 2006. Like, that's the, I, I really don't know how people don't realize, like, you know, the Republicans more and more are drawing these 
anti-Semites. Sure. Like they're drawing, like these people, these horrible people are drawn to the Republican Party more and more every single and, day. You know, as he says here, he says, I talk to all media, which is completely untrue. Yeah. Uh, so what oh, yeah, am I talked to Mother Jones. When was the last time you had a word with them? You know, David Korn and uh, <laughs> and Joe Arpaio might not have been uh, having a conversation uh, anytime soon, nor in the past. He says, I talk to all media, so what am I supposed to do? Investigate every media outlet to see what stories they write? It's Google. Yeah. You Google it. <laughs> it's very easy. You get someone on your staff to Google. If you get a request for an interview from a company or from a newspaper, from a magazine, you Google them and before, say, okay. Before you say yes, it's like, what are these people about? What, what's, what's this thing? What's this whole thing doing? He's, he told the Arizona newspaper, I don't do that. You know that. I talk to all reporters in all publications. So Sheriff Joe Arpaio, uh, the man who hunts down uh, individuals of color within Arizona, the man who made people wear pink underwear uh, in Tent City, the man who made girls and women uh, give birth in shackles. He's just too liberal. <laughs> That's literally what his argument is. He's like, I talk to everyone. I talk to everyone. I'm just too open. He's too open-minded. Too open-minded. I've always said that mm -hmm. about Sheriff Joe. Too respectful of other people's opinions to say no. Of course, of course. So let's continue on. I want to talk about this DACA story. Uh, on Wednesday, there was this fella. His name is Saeed uh, Ahmad Jamal. And he was detained. He was stopped outside of his home by ICE. Uh, this man, is he a member of the MS-13 gang? Mm -hmm. uh, is he out there selling drugs? Peddling uh, Lucy cigarettes. That's what I've heard. No, he's a Kansas chemistry professor. Fuck. He's got kids here. He was arrested on his front lawn. Officials from Immigration and Customs uh, Enforcement were on his front lawn before Jamal. He's 55 years old. You know how those guys who are suffering from low T are the most dangerous? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he could say goodbye to his wife and his three children. Then ICE agents detained him and led him away in handcuffs. Mm -hmm. The arrest, this is according to this article, the arrest of a beloved Lawrence family man, scientist, and community leader came as a shock to Jamal's friends and neighbors in the Kansas City area where he has lived since arriving in the United States on a student visa from Bangladesh more than 30 years ago. He would go on to attain graduate degrees in molecular bio, uh, biosciences and pharmaceutical engineering, then settle in Lawrence to raise a family along the way he switched from student visas to an H-1B visa for highly skilled workers. I want to emphasize highly skilled workers. He's not taking your job. No. Because you can't do his job. <laughs> That's my no, biggest he's not taking. He's not taking a coal miner's job here. No. Like he's, no, this is a highly specialized person. This is a highly skilled person. This is a brilliant person that makes this country better. At that the, makes it richer. At the time of his arrest, Jamal was on a temporary work permit teaching chemistry and is an un, uh, adjunct per, uh, professor at Park University in Kansas City and conducting research at, at various local hospitals. I am sorry. This is should never happen. How ICE has gone crazy. And I know despite Donald Trump at the State of the Union, despite everyone there applauding these people, uh, ICE, I understand they have a job to do. And I get we have some people in this country that are here illegally, that don't belong here, uh, that need to be addressed. And that issue has to be addressed. And I've talked about it on the show when it comes to what Democrats call family reunification, Republicans call it chain migration when it comes to a merit-based uh, approach. This is utter nonsense this is uh the 
most counterintuitive uh, policy coming out of this White House is our immigration stance. This guy should be here. And we're hearing this is just one of the stories yeah. uh, from this week. I, this is just the one that really uh, struck me as, can you imagine you're on your front lawn and these guys show up, cuff you, just the humiliation yeah. in front of your wife. And for what? And this is from the story. Uh, she went to hug him goodbye and they wouldn't let her and said they would arrest her for interference if she tried. For what? That is, you know, these stories, we hear about them all the time, but just just Google this guy. Uh, there is no reason why he should be detained. There's no reason why we should be. He was a pay. He was a active member of our economy, of our country, and now we're paying to incarcerate Syed Ahmad Jamal. He is a. He is the dad next door, and for absolute zero reason. So this this is a total betrayal. The Democratic Party is letting down so many people. With their, and of course, the, we know what the Republicans are doing. So I, I'm just saying that the, the only hope here is the Democratic Party. Yeah. And they are letting us down by not having DACA, uh, by not getting um, any headway whatsoever on rational immigration. And we live in this country where we say we got to start taking them, we got to take a care of Americans first. But it's a double edged sword because every single time uh, someone tries to become a U.S. citizen, the road, it's more difficult than the Oregon Trail. I mean, they're dying on the way. They're, people are putting uh, trees and moats and rivers and lakes and every other broken-down bridge you can imagine in their path and being like, well, sorry, you're not an American citizen. we got to think about American citizens first without giving them a path to that very thing that they uh, are so proud of having. Yeah, Citizenship, we talk about uh, privilege. We talk about privilege in this country a lot, and we talk about it about economics. It's broken down by gender. It's broken down by race. I firmly believe ultimate privilege is citizenship. Yeah. Because you, don't, you can't even have another conversation until you get to that, until you, until you hop over that hurdle. And the way that they make it, the way that the system is so set up for these people to fail, and even when they try to do something right like the DACA kids did, even when they try to get to that path to citizenship, even when they get in the car and try to go down the road, you know what they find? Nothing but trouble. <laughs> it is unbelievable yeah, to me. And it, it, it's just infuriating talking to conservatives who are like, we got to take care of America first, which, by the way, Google where that term comes from. Yeah. It's not exactly. Sheriff Joe Arpaio, uh, he knew what newspaper he was talking to. Yeah. Because uh, that's where that whole saying comes from, America first, white supremacy, white nationalism. But it all wraps into America first and the, nope. their idea of what is America. I mean, got America first also, I mean, it has uh, roots way back in World War II when we knew shit was going wrong in uh, Europe. And it even goes back to like before that, uh, World War One. You know, like it's America for a long time has been like an isolationist country. Uh, and mm. it wasn't really until like World War One that we started getting in the middle of a bunch of other shit. Um, it's an old idea, uh, but it's Made not new again. It's not an idea that works anymore. Wiped, wiped off clean by the man who had 
uh, scalpel reassignment surgery. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if you saw that gif of Donald Trump walking into his uh, I mean, helicopter not or plane. Bring, not to bring it up again, but it was like watching Dan Aykroyd and up in trouble taking off his fucking <laughs> was, penis nose. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was so cringeworthy. Yeah. On uh, the back of Donald Trump's head. I yeah. saw a lot of memes, Darth Vader, the back of his no, head. No, you know who like he looked like? He looked like the uh, ghost of Christmas future. Oh. He looked like the ghost of Christmas past and Scrooged. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, you know, Bill Murray's old boss that comes and that little the golf balls fall out of his head that's and the little right. rats come out. That's what it looked like. It's horrifying. <laughs> and that's the man who wants the military to parade around in front of him, uh, costing the American taxpayer roughly eight million dollars. That was what it cost the last time this happened in 1991 when George H. W. Bush had one. I believe it happened um, under. Um, under uh, Roosevelt as well. I think it happened under Roosevelt, and I believe one other time. Either way, it's very rare. As a matter of fact, the man who shot Osama bin Laden, a man who I've met multiple times, he called this uh, third world tactics yeah. or developing nation tactics, if you're offended by the term third world. But even he was like, this man who shot Osama bin Laden was like, this is so ridiculous. This is what dictators do. This is nonsense. Why would we parade our military out in front of the president solely so he can feel as if he is a military president and a military leader. I think I uh, read the quote from it. was either from him or from another military leader. It's like, you know, the, the United States military, we prepare, we protect, we serve. They don't parade. We, we don't parade. Yes. Like, we, we don't do that. That's not what this country, that's not what this country is about, you know? No, that's why it's, it's so crazy to me when we see what the Russians do. We see what the North Koreans do. Chinese to some degree. And then we emulate it. We're yeah. emulating dictatorships. Yeah. That is, you know, when it comes that's to what, the that, Philippines, when it comes to, uh, what is it, Durante? Uh-huh. Uh, or Durtate, whatever I think is. it's Durante, maybe. Um, when it comes to our love of him for being tough on drugs, he's just going in there raiding and destroying people's lives. He's got a Gestapo police force in his own right, and he's destroying members of his community for political reasons under the guise of a war on drugs. Donald Trump sees this stuff. People in his administration are seeing this stuff and copying and pasting it on the streets of this country. Yep. A military parade is it is so unbelievably anti-American. Yeah. We don't parade our military. We our love military. parades. Don't get yeah. us wrong, America is a parade country. There's tall parades, short parades, Irish parades, <laughs> gay parades, black parades, white parades. Well, not so many white parades. We saw that. In, white people aren't very good when it's just a white parade. That's the problem, <laughs> as we saw in Charlottesville. But there are, yes. Uh, so this military parade, I, I just find it to be such a, um, such a show of disrespect to our military, whether it be Donald Trump, uh, Dissanon Khan, a, a gold star father, talking about he doesn't like folks who were captured. Uh, you know, this is to me just as insulting as he discussing uh, John McCain uh, in a negative light because he stayed, uh, you know, in confinement for more years than he had to in order to uh, live up to the promise of uh, leaving no man behind. Well, it's not just disrespect. And all politics aside, when it comes to McCain, we can't we can't deny that I would be I would be out of there so damn quick. You know what I was <laughs> when I was detained for twenty four hours uh -huh. uh, after helping someone through a turnstile. I had a public talk or public uh, drinking uh, war that I wasn't aware of. Otherwise, I probably went to help them. Um, <laughs> 
But as soon as that door opened and they called my name, I was like, peace, suckers. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then, of course, one guy, uh, as, as soon as I said that, was also called. And I said, not you. You're a good one. Yeah. You're a nice guy. You know? <laughs> uh, but as soon, when, you are, when you are held captive in a situation and you have the option to go and you say no, uh, that's real courage. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Donald Trump, his idea of courage is bone spurs and parades. Exactly. And it's not just disrespectful to the military. It's disrespectful to the American people. Uh, it's disrespectful to all the people that have been told the government can't afford it. You know, it, when people are you know, barely scraping by, when people in America <sighs> are starving, you know, when people are going bankrupt for medical bills or dying because they can't pay their medical bills. It's disrespectful to them. It's disrespectful to everybody. Absolutely. Military spending is going to see a huge boost here under this McConnell-Schumer, uh, uh, this bill here, as lawmakers finally respond to warnings from defense officials that funding uncertainty harms readiness. You know what also harms readiness? When they're marching down a street in D.C. as opposed to uh, training, as, yeah. as uh, the individual who shot bin Laden said. The Children's Health Insurance Program, which uh, until the most recent stopgap budget deal was starved for funding, would get another four years of cash. This whole budget deal will last. This is two years now. Mm-hmm. So we won't be, well, next time we're up for something like this. It's going to be, uh, you know, a presidential election year, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be another bunch of horrible uh, political posturing by these political parties that throw away the uh, the American population and just try to get as many votes uh, as possible. And I think they make a big mistake because people are just so livid uh, when it comes to uh, the dysfunction in Washington. Um, I, I just feel like there's people are just looking for answers and we're not getting anything but but uh, but words. Even listening to Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi and, and Rand Paul this week, they were just blowhards. All words, no action, no substance, and I'm sick of frickin' words. Yeah. So the program, the Children's Health Insurance Program, is going to be funded now for four years, bringing its total extension to a full 10 years, uh, which is actually a compromise that I think is totally reasonable. Uh, originally, I believe the Democrats wanted 12, and the Republicans gave them six, and now it's a 10. Okay, that, that's fine. Another $90 billion would be pumped into disaster relief as we continue to see a lot of uh, disasters all around. The Senate plan would also devote $6 billion to the opioid crisis and $20 billion to infrastructure. And I am very cautious and very hesitant about this $6 billion for the opioid crisis. Yeah, what is, where does that go? Where does it go? Yeah. In this administration, currently Jeff Sessions says, oh, don't take them, have aspirin. Yeah, that's literally what he says. If you're suffering from pain, have aspirin. He said that. That's what he said. But that's all. That's also not a solution. That you were just telling. He literally said, "Stick it out." He he said what Chris Rock used to joke about uh, when it comes to Robitussin. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Rub some tussum on it." It's like that is not what I want our attorney general saying to the American population. This is an this is an issue of addiction. This is an this is an issue of of mental health. This is a uh, an issue that is uh, that has to be taken. Um, with a level of compassion that the government just simply cannot understand, and specifically uh, this administration, specifically with Jeff Sessions, cannot understand. Does the $6 billion, does it just go to the big pharma companies that finance so much of our government, the $40 million bucks or so that they give on a regular basis? Uh, what happens? He, uh, are they going to uh, invest in uh, recreational or, or medical marijuana? What? Where does it go? Where does the six billion go? Yeah, when it comes to marijuana, it's not happening anytime soon on the federal level with these clowns. 
So that's I'm very I, I like the idea. I like the idea too. And if it works, if they actually do something, then I will absolutely praise it. But I am suspicious. Yep. Given every single, given this administration's every public statement on the opioid crisis, given every single statement they've made from Donald Trump to Jeff Sessions. I am suspicious. So instead of raising uh, instead of raising of revenue or reforming big entitlement programs or both to pay fully for government operations, senators are going to add billions more to the debt, which evidently Republicans do not care about whatsoever any longer. They stopped caring about it in the Bush years. <sighs> Though they would offset some of the proposal's costs, they would not come close to covering all of it. Well, they would reap some savings from Medicare, a major cost driver. So they're taking away, they're, they're cutting Medicare and adding a parade. Yeah. Isn't that nice? I'm sure all those people appreciate that. They would, uh, they would at the same time abolish the Independent Payment Advisory Board, one of the few potential checks on rising health care spending that Congress has instituted in the past decade. So I, this, this whole agreement, I, I, I'm just sort of once again baffled because... I, I don't see if you, if as, as someone who uh, who does enjoy the idea of fiscal responsibility in, in Washington, and I have talked about, it, I, I think some of the things in the tax bill are good, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I want to uh, share this as well. I was you know uh, discussing this at uh, at Skinny Dennis, my favorite bar in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Someone who was really railing against how they don't care if people get a thousand bucks here or a thousand bucks there. Don't forget. If you are uh, a left-leaning person, you can donate to the ACLU. Mm -hmm. You can donate to whatever leftist organization or rational left-leaning organization you want to. That money is. I want. I want the. I want you to be able to donate to whatever politically uh, affiliated uh, company or whatever, organization. Organization, whatever yeah. you want to. Uh, so I think that that let's not lose sight of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Because when you get these thousand bucks, everyone. But now the onus is on you. So I'm thinking about, you know, for myself personally, I need to start, you know, uh, putting my money where my mouth is and uh, and start, you know, investing in, in positive companies, investing in clean energy companies, mm -hmm. um, investing, uh, you know, helping out kids in this country that are impoverished, that are in need of education and things like that. So don't forget, don't lose sight of that aspect of it, because I do think that that is important. And I think that is kind of lost in the conversation when it comes to tax cuts um, is that, oh, now everyone is greedy and they can suck up more money. But if but don't be. Yeah, you don't have to be greedy. You can give that money to organizations that Donald Trump and these clowns, this administration, they're not going to give it to. Nope. So I, I think that that's a bright side. All right. What else? What else do we got, Mr. Parks? I think that's about it. I got to get home, start working on this episode. Oh my goodness! For the last podcast on the left. That's right, Jonestown Parts five five we did five. Oh my god we did five <laughs> how's your brain doing actually it's doing pretty good man i mean jonestown is uh, i said at the uh end of uh, the last podcast episode is that like this is the one of the few um ones that i've got to the end of and said i want more like i could have i could have done seven or eight of these like i i was yeah i'm still fascinated with this stuff i'm loving doing all the work on it this is the along one along with all my research assistants it's been fucking Ooh. fantastic those, uh, yeah, those uh, tapes, man, those are intense stuff. But we can learn a lot about uh, from the Jonestown series about the cult mentality. Yes. And we don't want to fall down into that trap. We talked about this on the episode. Uh, don't fall into the cult mentality, and we're seeing it. Uh, this 
Trumpism thing that's happening. It's uh, it, it, it is it just reeks it, it of, reeks of, of old school cult mentality. It really does. I mean, if after doing Jim Jones and I didn't want to talk about this on the last podcast because I didn't want to get too political with it. Uh, but uh, Donald Trump is a combination of Jim Jones and L. Ron Hubbard, except dumber. Uh, and people are falling for it. Uh, people are like you see it in the way people don't believe anything. They only believe him, uh, which it's amazing because, you know, with with Jim Jones and People's Temple, they were out in the jungle like they mm-hmm. they were completely removed from society. Uh, but I think we're kind of learning now that that doesn't matter. You don't have to move people to the jungle. Uh, they will. All you have to do is create an alternate reality for people, wherever it may be. And now in this day and age, uh, you can create we, our alternate reality is in our pockets with our phones. You know, it's sitting on yeah. our desk. That's our alternate reality. Jones had to take him to the jungle. Donald Trump doesn't have to do that anymore mm-hmm. because people are already there. That Absolutely correct. Um, all right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, really appreciate that, and thanks so much for all the positive feedback we put the show on the li- on the uh, last podcast feed uh, last week. It was kind of nerve wracking, a little bit, but uh, people were so unbelievably nice. So yeah, glad you all enjoy it. We're going to continue. So. Yeah, we're going to continue to try to be as fair as humanly possible. Um, but also, you got to call out BS when you see it, yep. and there's a lot of BS out there right now on both sides. But my goodness gracious, I, I just the instability of Donald Trump's mind is. I'm a little concerned. As, as not to channel my inner Amorosa from yeah, Big Brother. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which can, what what this is dystopia, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're here. Okay. Yeah, we, I Good think to know. I think we've been in it uh, for about six months now. Okay. We're just now starting to notice. Maybe even longer. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Um, all right, everyone, hail yourselves. Find us all on social media. You know where to find us. All right, talk to you soon.